You're listening to the Bride Chilla Podcast, helping bride chillas and groom chillas plan their wedding minus the bullshit. One podcast at a time with your host, Alicia McCormack. Well, it is a very merry welcome to the Bride Chiller Podcast. This is 317, episode 317 of this here show. If you're new to the program, welcome. I'm Alicia. And I don't normally speak like I speak in lots of different silly voices. It's just what I do. Just just what I do. If you would like to go back and listen to the entire back catalogue, I salute you. All of these episodes are now available for freezies on uh, iTunes, Android, Spotify, wherever you really find your podcast. If you're listening to this now, perhaps you've probably subscribed and, and you're already on your way. So well done you. This is a Q&A episode of the show where I ask you, members of the Bride Chiller community, to send me your thoughts, feelings, comments, anything really, leaving a voice message for me to have a chat, to share with listeners. And it's great. I did a fantastic survey recently. The survey wasn't fantastic. Your responses were fantastic. Where I ask a bunch of quick fire questions in survey form to just make sure I am providing you with as much value as possible when it comes to the Bride Chiller podcast, the Bride Chiller community, blog, books, the ever-expanding Bride Chiller empire. So uh, I really am grateful for people's honest and open feedback. And I'm not a precious person. I can take it. And I would rather hear what you want and then go back and tweak things to make sure we're delivering just helpful shit for you, really. So in this survey, people were saying, hey, we want to hear more Q&A, Alicia. What are you doing? Let's include the community a bit more. And gee whiz, it's always great to hear from you. So I'm putting the call out now. If you have a wedding planning question, I promise I will do these at least once a month. I produce a new show of the Bride Chiller podcast nearly every Monday. I mean, it's every Monday, no matter what. Sometimes I run best ofs if I'm particularly tired in my real life or I've got things on. But most of the time, they're new. Again, if you're new to this this world of Bride Chiller and me, you can learn more about where the show started and information about how to get in touch by visiting thebridechiller.com. You can do a bit of a Google stalk about me if that so interests you. Alicia McCormack's my name. It's a weird thing to encourage people to do. But also, uh, I, I'm a TV producer by day at the moment, have been for the last 10 years. And uh, I do this this podcast in all my spare time, which I have abundance of. <laughs> All right, enough about me. Let's talk about you, or actually, let's hear from you. I asked for some feedback in a recent episode. It was um, episode 309 of this here podcast, Bride Chiller, and I welcomed Bride Chiller graduate Carly Finlay, who is challenging the perception of how people look and how people react. She's challenging people's thinking about what it's like to have a visibly different appearance and disabilities as well. And we talked a lot about how body image in the wedding industry is not a very, it's it's not a very positive place at the moment. And Carly is really trying to get out there and, and talk a little bit more about how we can be more inclusive and supportive of each other 
And I asked for your feedback. I said, if you have either been challenged with your experiences planning your wedding and working with vendors and just smashing expectations when it comes to disability, inclusion and body image, if you've got feedback on your personal experiences. And it was great to get these voice messages. They're inspiring and fucking kick-ass and dominating in such a great way. So I wanted to share a couple with you. And uh, let's kick it off with Bride Chilla Ashley, who left this message, and I I wrote an email back to her because you, as you'll hear in the in the voice message, she wanted to make a bit of a decision about a dress. So I will, at the end of the voice message, give you an update on what I advised him. A piece of advice that I gave her. Hey, Alicia, this is Ashley, and I am calling from Washington D.C. Um, I got engaged. In January, and since then, I have been listening nonstop to your podcast. So, just thank you for um, this podcast, for what you're doing, for the community that you've created. Um, I love what Brightchill stands for, and I just love that it's such an open place um, to talk about lots of different things, which is why I felt so comfortable calling in to talk to you about uh, what I'm going to talk to you about. <laughs> so, I just recently listened to some of your episodes. Um, on body image and so it prompted me to call in and talk about um, this so I wanted to open the conversation up about something that I haven't really heard a ton um, talked about before um, or at all really there's a lot of talk when it comes to body image issues um, when it comes to weight Um, but, uh, as a disabled, physically disabled woman, I almost never hear the conversation about, um, disabilities and weddings. So I just wanted to put it out there, open up the conversation, see if any other bride chillers wanted to talk about this, if you had any thoughts on it. Um, so I'll just tell you a little bit about my story and why I felt prompted to talk about this. So I have a physical disability called Herb's palsy, and basically how that looks um, is that one of my arms is totally normal and my shoulder's normal, and the other arm and shoulder are not normal. Um, My left shoulder is very sloped. It's small. It's curved. Um, My arm is shorter than my other arm. It can't straighten. It has very limited mobility because it's partially paralyzed. Um, And this is something that I was born with. So, you know, I'm used to it. (laughs) I've come to terms with it. Um, I'm usually pretty accepting of myself and it. Um, It's usually not a big point uh, of contention for me. But something has come up, uh, and that is wedding dress shopping, which has brought up these emotions and fears that I haven't really had to deal with before. Um, And I'm sure other bride chillers have experienced similar things if they are disabled or physically disabled. Um, So the problem arose when I tried on a dress that is sleeveless and I loved it. Um, I haven't bought it yet or bought it yet because I am something's holding me back and that something is my disability because I really noticed my shoulder in pictures because I think it just looks slopey and I call it a slopey dopey uh, shoulder because I think it just looks so stupid but everyone else is saying what I didn't even notice that it's a gorgeous dress get it and I was thinking wow this sounds really similar to like 
weight issues that women and men have when they say, oh, I can't get this dress. You can see my arm flab or, oh, I can't get this dress because look at what, how it makes my butt look or whatever. And I pride myself in being really body confident and, um, I'm, I'm a therapist and a social worker. Uh, so I deal a lot with body image issues with women, women that have eating disorders, and I thought that it wasn't an issue for me until this happened, and I was kind of surprised at myself that, wow, you're not as body confident as you thought, because um, I preach all day to women to love their bodies and to love themselves, uh, no matter what weight they are, but I never hear in the conversation, uh, hey, you should love yourself and love your body even if it's disabled. So it's it's kind of a subsection of um, taking care of yourself and loving your body that I don't really hear about. There's always a conversation about weight, which I think is so important and how to be healthy um, and how to love yourself despite what the number is on this scale. Um, But I just don't ever really hear the conversation of love your body as a disabled woman or as a disabled man. Um, not that it's not that the opposite message is being put out there, but I just don't really hear it talked about. So I, I feel confident that there are other bright shows out there that are going through similar situations as me. So I was just wondering if this was something, um, if you were looking for new topics to talk about, um, this is one, if there are other bright shows out there that want to talk about this, uh, I would just love to open the conversation up and hear what other people have to say. And if you have any advice for me for this dress thing, um, I guess one of my biggest questions is I'm wondering if other Brechels, um or grooms that have had a similar experience where they've loved a dress and have been self-conscious of their disability in that dress um, and how they dealt with it. Or similarly, if um, someone has tried on a dress or another outfit have loved it but there was one thing that they that they were self-conscious of if they just said screw it I'm gonna do it and I'm gonna feel confident if later they looked back in pictures and thought oh no why did I do that I knew I was gonna regret this that's my biggest fear is I'm gonna look back and say I regret doing that I knew I was gonna be self-conscious about my shoulder it's just this fine line of wanting be wanting to be super positive and super sure of myself that I'm going to be confident even if my shoulder looks weird in pictures and on the next side of the line thinking well honestly I am going to be self-conscious so it's just a hard line to battle and I'm realizing that even as a therapist and a social worker counselor I am not immune to this conversation so that's all but thank you for listening thank you for your podcast and happy days Ashley, thanks so much for joining the conversation and sharing your personal experiences. And you are right, physical disability is something that you just do not see very much in any sort of wedding media. And, I, you know, it's like goes back to anything that if, if advertisers don't think it's sexy and fun and great, even if it's real, it's very hard um, for, for bigger companies to then say, actually, yeah, we'll put a bride in a wheelchair on the front of our magazine. You go, well, there are fucking heaps of brides that have uh, and grooms that have disabilities and just go about their everyday lives and look fucking fabulous doing it and feel great doing it. And I think 
saying that as well, you should definitely, and this is the advice I gave Ashley in an email, if that dress makes you feel fabulous and it's the dress that you really picture yourself in, regardless of this mild hesitation that you have that your shoulder will be exposed and people will see it, that's part of you. And as long as you feel amazing and glow on the day, that's what it's about. So although I don't know you personally, Ashley, but I hear that passion and I I really feel like this is the right decision. Pick the dress that makes you glow internally and externally. That was a little creepy. I do apologize. And also, yes, if you have thoughts, feedbacks, comments, feedbacks, comments on um, Ashley's request about sharing other experiences with physical disabilities, I want to hear from you. I want to hear your story what Ashley did was great and you know it's just one of those things the more we can share and the more we can have conversations the better it's going to be. Bridechilla Charlie left me a voice message I'm just going to just jump straight into it because it is great she explains it all and then get ready to feel a bit angry at the end. This is a little um, body image weight loss story um, about my wedding dress so I chose my wedding dress um, at the shop, tried to sample, it fit really well, so I was pretty stoked, and um, went to order it, they did my measurements, and the lady in the shop was like, oh, you're between sizes, but don't worry, I'll order the right size for you, no stress, I'll get it sorted. So I kind of went along with it, it was like, excellent, um, tick off the list, all done. And then I, a couple of weeks ago, went to go and pick, well, not pick up the dress, like see the dress for the first time and try it on. And um, it was a bit tight and I hadn't like put on any weight. I was the same size as I had been before and I wasn't intending on having to lose any weight for the wedding. It wasn't on my list of priorities. And so I said to the lady, oh, this feels kind of tight, tighter than before. And she said, oh, yeah, I ordered the smaller size because I assumed you'd lose weight. <laughs> and she was like, oh, cool. No, not wasn't something I was wanting to do. Um, so now I'm in a situation with it where I've got a dress that, yeah, I can get in it, but it's tighter than I wanted it to be. I don't feel as comfortable. And um, that really pissed me off because I shouldn't have to lose weight. That's not my priority. And I thought that was kind of bullshit. Um, so I'm just going to buy a mannequin, basically, and stretch the shit out of this dress. Because I'd rather that than have to try and lose weight when, you know what, I don't think I need to. I'm happy as I am. I mean, come on, people. It's really interesting hearing these stories. And this, again, I don't want to be judgy about Charlie's wedding dress person that made that decision. You do hear stories from wedding boutique owners saying that either some brides lose weight, you know, really rapidly before their wedding and it can be very hard for them to alter. And perhaps that's more of a thing that people say, I'm not going to lose weight and they get stressed and lose weight. Okay, fine. But to not give someone the choice and then to go out of their way to order something that is different, actually to me, Charlie, made me fucking angry on behalf of you but also made me go you've probably got a bit of a right to go back to that store and say hey you didn't do I paid you for a service we had a contract you did not fulfill that service because you've ordered something it's not the right size I know you're being very chiller about it and that's great and you're going to stretch the fuck out of it as you said on the mannequin but you shouldn't have to do that and also if you say I'm going to be this size you sign the you pay your money you sign the contract or whatever it is the order form then that's what you should be getting So it's a shame. I totally 
can relate to some of the boutiques saying, look, it's a lot of trouble for us to be altering. But also, if someone comes to you and says, this is the item I wish to buy. Here's my money. Let's order it. You don't just go away and like I get a car dealership. They're not saying, hi, I'd like to buy this Toyota Camry. And then you come back and it's a, it's a, it's a Chevy. And you go, yeah, but I thought this, you probably like this one better. So I've ordered this. It's not how it works. It's not how capitalism works. Charlie, I'm sorry, but you you sound like you're just dominating the chiller. So respect to you. Thank you. Hi, Alicia. My name is Sammy. I'm Australian, but now I'm living in Brighton in the UK. Um, I just wanted to share how I'm getting my body, uh, quote unquote, wedding ready. (laughs) Um, Recently, I put weight loss in the fuck it bucket because it just wasn't making me happy and I was feeling really stressed. Um, so I thought about what would make me feel beautiful and I went and got three piercings in my right ear. (laughs) Um, yeah. So I learned that cartilage piercings hurt like fuck, but they will be healed in time for some dope ass wedding bling. Um, it's something I always wanted to do and I'm glad I'm doing something for me out of joy instead of, you know, losing weight because I personally felt the societal pressure to do it. Because fuck perfection, right? Cool. <laughs> All right. Thank you very much. Cheers. Love you, Sammy. And I'm delighted that you have taken the plunge with your piercings and you're going to rock it on your wedding day and you've thrown the weight loss in the fuck it bucket because it doesn't work for you. Ten gold stars. Ten gold stars, as I'd say, with my Australian accent. Hi, Alicia. This is Anna in Denver, Colorado. Um, first, I just want to say thank you for the Bride Chilla podcast and community. It's brought me a lot of sanity through the wedding planning process. Um, I also want to say thank you for creating space to talk about this topic. I think that there's a lot of pressure in society in general for women to look a certain way or to to be a certain way. Um, and I think that the wedding industry really just compounds on that and almost makes it worse. I think ultimately, I sort of see my wedding day as this really um, special moment that I am embarking on this new adventure with my partner. And I want to look and feel my best when I um, start that new adventure, whatever that means to me. For me, that means being really strong and capable of lifting heavy shit and um, eating food that makes me feel good and that makes me feel like I can take on my day and have a lot of energy. And I found that through things that work for me. And I think that other people find that through things that work for them. Um, and I, I really hope that we can kind of move past this get skinny movement because it's not about being skinny. It's about loving your body, feeling strong, um, and starting this new adventure with your partner. So thanks so much for giving some attention to this topic. Bridechilla Anna, thank you. And strength is such a great point. I do pump classes. I love doing uh, weightlifting and not like those sort of, that's my weightlifting noise. I don't make any, although occasionally I make some slight birthing noises, I imagine. Uh, well, I don't know, maybe birthing noises is a bit underplayed. But in pump class, and pump is actually, if you're going, what is she talking about pump? It sounds like breast pump. It's breast milk. No, it's nothing to do with that. It is where you go along to the gym and you do a class with a step and there's a, a long bar, like a weight bar, and then you change your flat weights on the edge of end of each of the bars, depending on which routine. And it was, it's a Les Mills run class 
people are, have asked in the community, so I'm just going to explain it. Les Mills started in New Zealand, but they do pump classes all over the world. And they're really great, usually 45 minutes to an hour. The music's really good. I learn about lots of young people's music, which I then add to the Spotify playlist to sound like I'm hip. Which makes me sound like I'm 85 years old. I'm only in my mid-30s, guys. But they then do the tracks. You do legs, bums, tums, arms, everything. And I just find it inspiring. By the end of it, I'm sweating. I feel like I've done a really great workout. But I smile all the way through it. And talking about strength, I've got guns now. And it's not me out slogging doing 50 hours of cardio a week. I usually like do a bit of a jog to clear my mind, but then I really enjoy these pump classes and yoga. So I think you just need to find an activity that works for your mind and body and not make it about weight loss, not make it about shedding for the wedding, sweating for the wedding, and just being good to yourself. And as Anna says, the more strength that you can bring to your body and mind, the more capable you'll be and the happier you're going to be as a person. So I really encourage it. Just check out Pump though. It's a really fun activity. It's a really fun activity, guys. Sound like an infomercial. I have no association with Pump, but I do really enjoy it. And she's, you know, my gym, you got to book in, you can book in two weeks in advance and it's their most popular class. And I now just try and pre-book, but my trick is I go on the weekends because I work in the week and just never get home in time due to my television day job. But people, I've got a trick that I refresh. I get up early Saturday and Sunday morning to do bride chiller stuff and then hungover people cancel. Clearly, this is my theory. They cancel out of the class at like 8.30, 9 o'clock when they wake up feeling like shit. And uh, I jump in and I grab their spot. So it's it's probably irrelevant to you, but I just wanted to share how smug I can feel. I'm hungover some weekends, don't get me wrong. But if I'm like, I'm going to get up and work this morning and then I refresh the page and I'm like, yes, I could get someone else's place in this very, very uh, popular class. One thing that's exciting, we're working on in the Bride Chiller world, Erica Risen and I are working on the Bride Chiller vendor directory. We're launching this in the next couple of weeks. And it's such a great opportunity, I think, to connect bride chillers and groom chillers and bride chiller-minded vendors. So people that get how we act our ethos, what we want. And there are lots of wedding directories around. I totally get it. And there are lots of niche websites that, you know, work for different vendors and different clients. But to me, Erica and I have been talking about how it's just great that, you know, on in the bride chiller community, people will say, I'm looking for a photographer in Denver. Can someone help me? And then people will refer. And so this is sort of an extension of that. If you are a bride chiller vendor and you listen and you want to get involved, this is a worldwide directory. We're trying to connect you with our bride chiller listeners and community members and vice versa. We want to find bride chillers and connect them with people that just get what you want. I always say the bride chiller to vendors. Bride chillers are your ideal client because they are not apathetic. They're not lazy. They're not indecisive. They know what they want. They want quality. They want to find and connect with vendors that care about their work, that aren't cookie cutter and that genuinely want to work with them. So I think this is a way that we can connect people. So if you are a bride chiller and you're working with an amazing vendor that you think would be great for the directory, send them our way or tag them in a post in, in, in the bride chiller Facebook group or the community and we'll get in touch with them and send them some information. And if you're a vendor, get in touch with us as well. There it is. 
You can pop Erica an email. She's Erica at thebridechiller.com or myself, Alicia, at thebridechiller.com. A-L-E-I-S-H-A, if you forget. Um, but, you know, fine. You can find me on various all social medias. God, so many social medias. I'm loving Instagram sick lately, so that's where I am hanging out. But, of course, I'm on Facebook every moment of every waking day which I love. <laughs> There's more of the Bridechiller Q&A after this. Quick little um, bit of feedback about the Bridechiller community. Our Facebook group nearly, we're about, I think this week we will hit the 4,000th, not a real, sound like I'm drunk, 4,000th, 4,000th member, which is fantastic. It has grown really quickly. We only launched this thing, I don't know, four or five months ago. We've had over 100,000 messages and comments on the page, which blows my mind. And I wanted to just say to people who are members, to use the community as a place to get help and support. But also, in the other breath, I see a lot of, look, I <laughs> I don't need feedback, I just want to rant comments. Now, that's great. But also, I read that and I'm like, well, I created the community for people to go and say, look, I'm having this issue. Can I please have some feedback and assistance? And if you genuinely do not want feedback about a certain topic or you're going to get shitty with people giving feedback about something that you don't agree with, then I'm going to say, and this is not just my Facebook community, our Facebook community, this is anywhere, then I'd say just don't post it. Talk to your mate about it or your mum or your friend or a stranger on the bus because there was a bit of a sort of hoo-ha this week in the Bridechiller community and I just had a really... <laughs> like this sort of existential moment of going, ah, oh, I don't want to say, I don't want to become the school mom providing lots of rules and saying, look, you can't do this, blah, 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 because we don't want it to be a, a community of just like, you must do this, this, and this, and this, and this. But the mods and I are fantastic moderators who work like 24-7 for freezies. They just do it because they love it to make sure that the posts are all clean and nice and no one's flogging random products or private messaging people asking for money. Oh my God, people do some weird shit that makes me disappointed in just humans, basically. But there was a post that blew up this week about a wedding dress, someone wearing a white wedding dress to a wedding. And a lovely bride chiller, Emily, just asked for a bit of advice. She said that her fiancé's, someone her fiancé knew that was coming to the wedding, asked him if she thought that the dress that she'd chosen, it was a, it was a cream floral number, was appropriate to wear to a wedding. And it kicked off. Now, it was a very sort of lighthearted, fun question. I don't think Emily, like the way she posed it was not sort of, you know, it wasn't super serious, but she's just saying, I don't know how to feel about this. And then people just sort of turned on each other. And I was like, oh my gosh, I think it's great to have opinions. Here's the thing, famous cliched saying that I put in the Bridechiller Survival Guide, opinions are like assholes, everyone has them. You don't have to agree with everything someone else is saying. And it doesn't mean you're not a Bridechiller because you don't have the same thought process as the person that commented before you. Again, I feel like a school mum having to say this, but if you get offended by a different opinion or if you want to start labeling other people, I don't think the Bridechiller community is a place for you and I haven't got time for it. That's enough. Get off your... Oh, do you feel me climbing off my high horse now? We really work hard to keep it a cool place. So I'm just saying, be nice. Don't be, be too reactive. It's just the internet. 
these people are people that you know on the internet. Hopefully you respect and you help each other out. And don't just go there to unload and rant and then fuck off because I don't think it's, it doesn't, it's not helpful. And, and to start a post off by saying, I don't want your comment. I just need to let this off my chest. It's like going to a room and just doing this. And then not letting anyone else go, are you okay? What's happening? Can I give you some feedback about why screaming like that? I'm a bit worried about you. Do you need support? How can I help you? Rich just checked that I was okay screaming in the booth. (laughs) That's love. Okay, that's my rant over, but I hope you get it. Always open to thoughts, comments, feedback. I'm not trying to shut everything down and make it just, you know, everyone has to be happy all the time, like a cult. But I'm just saying, let's be nicer to each other and let's be kind. But then also... In the other hand, let's just think about what we're posting and also if you're asking for opinions and then you don't want opinions, it's confusing. Love you all. Okay, Becky, Bride Chiller Becky has left a very funny uh, voicemail, but she also got a great question. I'm going to just let you explain it all, Becky. Hi, Alicia. This is Becky from London. You quite often do my accent on your show, so I thought I would try and do your accent when I'm asking you this question. I'm not very good at your accent, but I'm going to freaking try anyway. My question is basically, do you have any tips on how to DIY the thing that people always say you shouldn't DIY, which is your catering? We found the venue of our dreams and uh, we're able to have 70 people sleep uh, on site at the venue. And because of that, we don't have any money left for professional catering. Um, so it's a, it's not a huge wedding. There's 70 of us. Uh, it's still a bit of a task, but we've got helpful friends, foodie friends, and uh, we both love to cook and to eat ourselves, and we're quite willing to prep beforehand. The venue has good freezer space, good cooking facilities, so I think we'll be all right in, on that on that side of things. But if you have any tips, anything, it's uh, there's not that much of it online because people always just say don't do it, uh, but I gotta fucking do it anyway because I don't have any money, and I hope you're not offended by this. Uh, thanks so much. Becky, I really wanted to hear your real accent by the end of it. It was like I was waiting. I was just waiting. I'm not offended at all. I do all of your accents all the time. And I hope I don't cause offense. I really do try and work on my accents a lot. Becky, great question. And well done you for finding a venue. I want to know about this venue that sleeps 70 people. Where the frig is this venue? Sounds amazing. It is interesting that you did sort of mention that there's not much online. And I went for a bit of a Google as well. And uh, self-catering is something like actually self-catering. This is not bringing a caterer in. Is something that isn't spoken very much about in the wedding press and other blogs. I think it's actually a great plan if you do have foodie friends, as you said, people that enjoy cooking that are organized and can pull this out of the bag and help you. It's great. I go back to that word organized. It's about figuring out how you can pre-make food and, and get people working and hustling together to make sure your day isn't focused on food prep. You don't want to be thinking about this stuff. So it's great you mentioned freezers and um, I'm assuming a venue of 70 people sounds like it might have a commercial kitchen or at least somewhere that you can prep food in a health and safety oriented way. My suggestion to you would be to use sort of charcuterie, sort of um, finger food things that you could pre-prepare. It's hard to say. Prior to that, pre-prepare, prior, oh fuck, can't say it, that you get ready before the day. And 
Rich and I actually, we did our a deal with our caterer because we were broke. And we said to the caterer, can we prepare our hors d'oeuvres, our cocktail party food ourselves? And then they would do the main meals. So we ended up buying a lot of cured meats, cheese. I made arancini, which is just basically risotto balls that you can fry and freeze ahead of time. And they were really easy to chuck in the oven and cook and warm up. Just lots of dips and 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 pretty looking food that came in abundant. It just looked very abundant when it was all out on the table, and it wasn't expensive. And people commented on it, which was which was delightful for us because we were nervous about having this beautiful catered food later on in the day, but also putting this this table together. But really, we went to Costco and we bought a bunch of um, of platters and things and then I as I said I made arancini balls and we put out lots of crackers and dips and all this sort of stuff and just laid it out the other thing we did the night before is we cooked it was so much bolognese Rich actually went and cooked it over a series of weeks and we kept freezing different batches and we fed all of our we had 20 people so not as much as you but we fed our people the night before with this bolognese and um, v, Rich's mum, was really paranoid about everyone dying the night before the wedding. No one died. We did it in a really healthy, clean kitchen, <laughs> and we were very quick to cool it off, freeze it. We looked up all of the. Um, we actually talked to our caterer and said, "How do we do this in a way that is is going to make sure everything is done by the books and is not going to cause some sort of huge illness or dysentery prior to our wedding." One suggestion I would say that isn't necessarily mainstream catering, it's but it's becoming a lot more popular and lots of bride chillers in our community are doing this, are food trucks, which are surprisingly cheaper than bringing in a caterer. And it depends where your venue is, um, Becky, but I think it would be worth considering if there are local restaurants or local food trucks, caterers that might consider coming to you and doing at least one course of their food truck food. It might be something that's a lot more affordable than bringing a caterer in. They're bringing their kitchen in the truck and um, I don't know. I think you should maybe consider it as well. Whatever you choose to do, make sure you're organized. You have a schedule. If you've got friends that are really good at baking bread or if you know they are great at, at cooking curries or whatever, it's getting organized, making sure that you have all the correct ingredients Think about food intolerances and communicating with your guests about that. And also just really honing in on food prep and making sure that you are freezing things correctly, that you're defrosting things in a way that is not going to make people sick and just really going through the basics. Talk to caterers, talk to people that know what they're doing and sort of ask for advice. There are lots of people on Reddit and other forums that would jump in and give you some of the key things that is that are really important to focus on. I think you should go for it. I just think you need to be fucking organized and also just know what sort of food works for that group of people. And maybe it is a Bay Marie situation, a buffet situation, whether you're just putting out plates or big in big sort of pots of yummy food and uh, people can serve themselves. There are lots of ways around it, but just make sure you're you're really thinking from the angle of being a caterer, but also not having to think about this shit on the day. It's great saving money, 
but it's also about enjoying yourself on your wedding day and not feeling stressed and burdened by this choice of, of, of catering yourself. You can do it, Becky. You're a bride chiller and you can do anything and I support you. And if there are any caterers listening uh, that want to help Becky out by providing some advice, then you should ring and leave a voice message and I'll add it to my next episode. Next voice message is bride chiller Katie. And I like this. I just, oh, I really connect with what she's got to say. You should listen to it before I comment. Professional podcast host. Hi, Alicia. I'm about two months out from my wedding, and I just wanted to share something with you and hopefully this community that I saw the other day that sort of just made me go, holy shit. So, I I swear this is going somewhere relevant, but it's not going to sound relevant at first. Uh, The other day I was watching this Netflix documentary called The True Cost, um, and it basically turned out to be about, like, fast fashion and the kind of shit that happens so that we are able to buy a shirt for $5. And the amount of people that are hurt by this and the amount of people that are living these lives where they don't have nearly the amount of money that they need to live or they die or they're injured or they're exposed to horrible chemicals. And it's basically just that companies like H&M and Forever 21 go to this factory that makes these this clothes in Bangladesh and says, uh, you know, you can make this for us for 45 cents, but this other factory can do it for 40 cents. So if you don't do it for 40 cents, we're going to leave you. And a lot of these people, they don't have a choice. They like, they have to do it because of the situation that they're in. And so people just end up being in these situations that it's like, holy shit, am I really willing to trade this for that $5 shirt or for things to be so ridiculously, bizarrely cheap um, where I am. And it, it like once you kind of see it up close, you're like, no, I'm not okay with that. And then as I went back to my life with this new resolve that I was done with fast fashion and that I was done with treating clothes like they're something that you buy and then throw away later, um, I started going back to wedding planning and I was like, holy shit, like so much of the same themes are there. And with wedding planning, there's so much stuff that it's like you buy it and you don't ever need it again. So you just throw it out. And because weddings are so stupidly, insanely expensive, we're looking for that absolute cheapest way to do everything. And I guess lately that I've learned that the absolute cheapest way to do everything is like it's great for us, but people die so that we can have linens for $5 cheaper than this other place that's selling linens. And so, I don't know, I've made a resolve to cut the bullshit out of my wedding, stop, stop saying, oh, this thing that's like, absurdly impossibly cheap is great and instead say uh, where is this made and do I want to be a part of this and um trying to rent trying to find stuff at thrift stores and just I don't know I felt like I wanted to just say something about it because it 
it, I, I feel like if people knew, nobody would do this. But nobody knows they do such a good job at at telling us, you need this. You need to keep buying stuff. And if you keep buying stuff, it's going to make your life better in some way. And don't look at, don't look behind the curtain. Like, everything's fine. There's no horror that's going on to to get you this item. So, I... Uh, the, the documentary was called The True Cost, and it's on Netflix, and I really, really strongly recommend that everyone and their mother and their brother watch it because I really feel like it changed my perspective on everything, and it sort of just made me feel like trash. So that's it. Uh, thanks. Bye. Katie, many thanks for your voice message. I really, as I said, introducing it, I really connected with your message because uh, I have not seen The True Cost and it's I promise you it's been added to our Netflix queue to watch over this weekend. But a few years ago, actually when I was a host on an Australian TV show called The Circle, I came across a similar message. Um, I read an article in an Australian newspaper about how few... Uh, local designers and how few local manufacturers were existing in Australia anymore and how much fast fashion had affected the local manufacturing industry but also as you said the consequences of fast fashion and some of these factories that produce these items of clothing and attire it really just oh it deeply affected me so I did um, I made a bit of a pledge at the beginning of one year I, I hosted lots of um field story. So I would go out with a microphone and meet people and do stories on this show. It was a bit like Loose Women in England or The View in America. It's called The Circle. They're all the same. And anyway, I did a pledge at the beginning of the year that I would only wear products um, and clothing manufactured in Australia. And I called it Love Local Fashion. This is another Alicia project. And it was great. I connected with a lot of local designers and I really learned about the Australian manufacturing uh, industry. And it was sort of like an accident, sort of like how Brad Chiller started. It was something that really interested me and I became quite passionate about it and just being empowered by understanding where my clothing was made. So I would put a call out and say, for the year, I will try and only wear things made in Australia. If you want to lend me clothes on TV, I'll tweet about it. This is pre-Instagram, the dark ages. It would have been great on Instagram. I will tweet about it and I will write a blog about every item of clothing that I wear on that show. And it was great. I had to get a post office box and people would send me stuff and I'd wear it and then I'd send it back to them. And it was it was so empowering, but also it just made me realize how much stuff is made in sweatshops and in under conditions that are just not humane. You would just be appalled. But then also learning and talking to local manufacturers and just sort of hearing about their stories about how hard they work to try and keep manufacturing going um, locally. So Katie, you really hit a, a, a point with me that I absolutely just really respect that you have said this. And it's great that these sort of documentaries have made an impact on you. In episode 275 of the Bride Chiller podcast, I produced a show called Easy Ways to Plan a Sustainable Wedding. And it's got a great, I think a great accompanying blog. I worked really hard on it to sort of give you some ideas about the waste that goes into weddings and how we buy all this shit. And this is, you know, it comes back to the fuck it bucket 
And in the Bride Chiller Survival Guide, I talk a lot about this. We buy so much tat and stuff that we think is needed for a wedding day when actually we chuck it in a cupboard, we put it in the, you know, the waste disposal units, it goes to a tip somewhere or out in the fucking ocean, and we don't ever use it again. And I do agree, Katie, there are so many buys and buy and swap groups and um, fantastic rental companies. The sharing economy, the shared economy is going gangbusters at the moment. So I think, you know, whatever you can do to rent, it's cheaper, it's better for the environment. And you know that you are supporting companies that are sustainable sustainable, and also from a human rights part of it as well. There are a lot of, of companies in the wedding industry that are now coming out and saying, we are using, we might be manufacturing overseas in third world countries, but we are manufacturing in factories that care about the people that are employed there and that are not being worked 23 hours a day and aren't employing children and are using um, cotton and materials that have been sourced in an ethical way. Don't get me wrong, I love jumping on Amazon Prime and buying something and I do look at what's cheap and where things come from and and I, I'm not a martyr or someone to stand up and go, Alicia doesn't buy anything that's not manufactured within a 10 metre radius of her home. I mean, it's very difficult to do that. But I do think if you're mindful and aware and just slowly change habits, but also every time you think, do I need to buy those wedding favours? Is anyone ever going to use this shit again? Or do you think... Uh, I could find a secondhand or pre-loved wedding dress that will save me money, which is virtually the same wedding dress that is being sold in a boutique down the road. We, you know, I think you need to make choices that work for you, but also just taking that extra step, watching a documentary and um, th- that is called The True Cost. Just going to say that again. I will put a link in the show notes. And really just being a bit more mindful, we can be better people. Because I think our generation is the generation change and it's great to see more people making active steps um, in being more conscious and actually caring a little bit. Not that our parents didn't care, but I think we're the generation to try and fix some of the wrongs. There you go. You think you're subscribing to a wedding planning podcast when in actual fact, I'm a secret agent, a secret undercover environmental agent that's going to poison your mind with my lefty pinko ways. Katie, thank you so much. I'm glad you watched that and I'm glad you are making positive change. And I hope we can encourage other people listening to the show to do that too. If you have any sustainable, environmentally friendly things that you would like to share, maybe you found a great website, maybe you're buying a dress from a a sustainable designer, or perhaps you are using, I don't know, disposable plates. There's lots of great things that, I say disposable, not plastic, there's lots of great dinnerware that is made out of bamboo for example. Tell me, write to me, share these things because I'd love to promote and uh, continue this message as much as I can. On April the 30th, I don't know why I'm going into my American accent, um, on April the 30th, we are going to end our introductory offer of the Bride Chiller Pack and Bride Chiller Survival Guides. They were priced at a very special launch price, and now they are going to their real retail price so we can actually run a proper business. Look, they're not going up by millions and millions of dollars, but there's a slight price increase. So if you want to grab them at their current price, which is 50 US dollars for the two books 
and a tote. So you're getting the tote for free, basically. Not basically, that's actually the math. And uh, that's $50 for the pack. They will go up to $59.95. The books on their own, the guides, the Bride Chiller Survival Guide and Bride Chiller Field Guide are currently priced at $24.95. They will be going up to $29.95. So jump in before the 30th of April to grab your survival guides. Thank you to everyone. Oh my gosh, who are leaving five-star reviews. It has been overwhelming. We jump around like children when these that we get the little notification that someone's left a review. I die. I honestly die. You are the best people and it's just funny, people are buying books from all over the world and I'm like, who are you? How did you find me? It's this is so exciting. We are like little kids. We is in Rich and I, my husband Rich and I, who we you know, it's it's like Christmas every day when we hear that little ding that someone else has checked out a book and um that's our little app it sends us a notification and we high five when someone buys because it's a really it's a really exciting thing it's all independently produced we self published we actually just going back to my manufacturing thing we found a printer in china who really went heavy on all the qualifications their ethical background i went i went in quite hard i did not want this book produced in a factory that was some sort of divey bloody sweatshop so we wanted to see all their qualifications and all their certifications, and we did, and they were so happy to give it to us, which was great. So it, we're very, very proud of these books, and the packs are great uh, if you want to buy a gift. Maybe you've got an engaged friend as well that you want to enter into Bridechiller land. This is a great way to get them involved and also just help them de-stress. Wed stress, be gone. Thank you so much for listening to the show. It's been great to meet new bride chillers. There's been lots of new listeners join our little community uh, lately. And it's just great to see that the word is spreading. The bride chiller word is spreading. It's nice to meet new bride chillers. And if you are joining the bride chiller community on Facebook, do a little welcome post. It's, uh, you know, we're a very open-minded, fun community, and it's just great to meet new people. So if that is you, then uh, make sure you say hello. Next episode of the show, Fast Wedding Planning, A Short Engagement with Carly Kiker, who was one of my original guests. She appeared in the Save the Date, on the Save the Date Wedding Podcast, which is what this show was called prior to the Bradchilla being renamed the Bradchilla Podcast. And she has written a book, it's called Hitched in a Hurry, which is uh, was her original book, and now she's expanded a little bit on that and is talking about how to plan a wedding fast. Like, we don't have to plan a wedding in 18 months. You might want to get married in six months' time. And she talks a lot about the options you have and just sort of about the bullshit that you need to have 12 to 18 months to plan a wedding when actually you can pull things together really quickly and still have an amazingly sassy, awesome wedding. And it looks like something that's been in the making for 24 months. So that is next Monday on the Bride Chiller podcast. Again, we're doing lots more Q&A episodes. So please do get in touch. Leave me a voicemail. All you need to do is visit thebridechiller.com or simply email me an MP3 uh, at alicia at thebridechiller.com, which is where you will find that. Just follow the fucking links. Professional. Thank you so much. Enjoy your week. Stay chill. Happy days. 
The Bride Chilla Podcast, empowering you to kick wedding planning ass every day.